0: Hi, Good Morning Night Vale listeners, fans, owners, and future patrons.
1: Yes, we said it patrons. We are launching a Patreon so we can do cool things like bring you more fun slash weird content and have some cash to pay our editors and mixers.
0: If you were thinking, I'd love to buy those Good Morning Night Vale hosts a beer or a Froyo or two semesters of tuition at mortuary school. Now you
2: can, but instead of beers and yogurt and embalming fluid, It's cash, so
1: we can use it to keep bringing you this show. We have great perks for our patrons, like ad-free episodes and exclusive backstage tour videos and pictures, including video from our recent trip to White Castle.
0: It was fine.
1: Totally fine. Plus,
2: a bonus monthly fan zone-only episode, bi-monthly live fan zones, shout-outs in the credits, recipes, and food recs from the cast.
1: I, Hal Lublin, will make scones for you on the internet.
0: Plus monthly weird personalized gifts and snacks delivered by mail from the cast. I have a lot of weird Night Vale shit in my house and for the right price, it's coming your way. And
2: the opportunity to be a guest on Good Morning Night Vale on the future episode of your
1: choice. And more.
0: If you love us or even just like us, check out our Patreon and keep our love alive with your sweet, sweet cash. Go to patreon.com
2: slash goodmorningnightvale That's patreon.com. Good morning, Night Vale.
1: We are forever in your hearts.
0: And in your earbuds. And in your bank accounts. It's fine. We We love love you. You. Blinking red light in the night sky. The future is changing, but it's hard to tell.
1: Good morning, Night Vale.
0: Of Good Morning Night Vale, it's me, Meg Bashwiner, here to talk to you about a show,
1: <laughs> and me, Symphony Sanders, to giggle through the whole thing, and me, Hal Lublin, just as I, candy. This is Good Morning Night Vale. We listen to Night Vale because we're part of Night Vale, and then we talk about Night Vale to you, the Night Vale listeners, who then send us in your thoughts about Night Vale, which we read and talk about Night Vale more, and it's a vicious circle that we hope never ends. And today. We are talking about episode 19A. Sandstorm. sandstorm.
2: A dangerous sandstorm threatens Nightvale. Plus, baseball opening day, a look at financial news, and Cecil finds himself in a strange new place.
0: Let's talk about it. Yeah, what an episode. What a <laughs> legendary episode. The sandstorm, the world of Nightvale has blown the whole H open. Right? And Thank I- you
1: for not cursing. Appreciate
0: that. <laughs> Keeping our explicit
2: levels down. And also, this is the first time that we've split an episode. Like, this is a part A to B continued. Part B. Right? So, like, again, yeah. they're changing two, up the form. Two sides
0: of the same coin. Right? Yeah. It's a change in format. It's a introduction of uh, we get so much more world. I mean, we'd heard about Desert Bluffs before. Right. So we, we knew that they were like kind of a rival town. We had no idea that there was like all of this debauchery and bonkersness and, and doubling and weirdsies. But yeah, so and and we're going to talk about 19B next week. But today we're focusing on 19A, which is the, the Night Vale half of this equation. Uh, so yeah, so big, big reactions and revelations while listening to this one. So many things that that was happening. I didn't realize how much of uh how much of the show. No, I don't. I don't know what, what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gone. like, oh, this is gone somewhere. I was really thinking it was it's happening. You no, know, it's, okay, it's a big nasty brain fart. Sound
2: <laughs> Well, let let's start let's start where we like to start in the middle. No, I'm just kidding. In the beginning, um, I like the idea that about meteorologists warning about raccoons because what does a meteorologist have to do with a raccoon at all? Nothing.
0: Well, we just live in a culture where we live in a culture where meteorologists are the only news that we feel like we can trust, even though they lie all the time. Yeah. They, they mess up. But it's the last totally nonpartisan news source is the fucking That's weather. True.
2: That's true. You can't, you can't dispute a radar or can you?
0: Yeah. I mean, the weather, they don't get it right. But when when it starts to rain, what do we do? We turn to a weather report. Isn't that bonkers? It's like so many times we've been led astray about whether we're going to get a snowstorm or not. But still, we're like, we're slaves. We're slaves to the meteorologists.
1: I like to think that humanity as a whole still has faith because we believe that there are people out there who know more about something than we do. Yeah. And I think we're in an age now where people are like, I could do that. I have the internet. I could be the weather person. The, what science <laughs> is there behind it? And I'm talking about the real world, not, not the world where the weather is music. But it's nice to think that, that we go, oh, it's raining. I should see what that weather person has to say. Sir, surely they'll know and be able to help me. Well, we want to know how long the misery will last, don't you think? Oh, it will never end.
2: It's not, we're no, we don't care about like what's actually happening. Like what's the current weather? Like, I don't want to know that. Like, I want to know what's going to potentially happen today, what I need to be prepared for. So maybe that's what the meteorologists yeah Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, they get it right. So rarely, like they, they're, they're doing their best. Okay. I'm not like shit talking meteorologists here, but I feel like in the past, you know, five to 10 years, there's been the sensationalist, uh, meteorologists and maybe that this is a comment on that where meteorologists are stepping now into warning us about raccoons
2: well and at the end of that um section he does say god meteorologist meteorologists just don't know when to stop the entire press corps mode so maybe it's like a thing that actual like me- press corps people don't respect meteorologists
0: could be well this is uh this episode was march 15th 2013 and superstorm sandy i believe was 2012 is that right yes um yeah and so well, yeah. there was the which was yeah such a huge weather event in the new york area that was definitely affecting joseph and jeffrey uh so that there is this kind of discussion and sensationalizing of weather Uh, And meteorology is, and maybe penetrating could be another after effect of Hurricane Superstorm Sandy.
2: The effects are never over, really.
0: No, they go right into your art. (laughs) From the jump on this episode, one of the first things was, is that the city council, like, kind of fails to warn people about the sandstorm.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: uh, because they were like just doing other shit and I'm like, that's so, I mean, the city council is very self-serving and very protecting of their own ass, but it feels so un veil for them to not make a huge fucking deal about scaring the crap out of people about like a big weather event. I was like, where is our emergency press conference? Why have we not like warned people to like get out of this? But no, they just dropped the ball.
1: That's social media. That's what it does to you. What? It is. They lose track of time on Facebook. No, but I meant, I thought, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. It took me a second. Yeah, I'm saying like that that idea. I like that they're still susceptible, as menacing and controlling as they are. They're susceptible to the next person of going down. I mean, look, it's 2018. I know Facebook has not been cool for a very long time, if it was ever cool. But I will go on there and somebody will be like, here's a poster uh, or here's like a video of Herb Alpert. Uh, deep sea diving when he was 20 and then that'll lead me down a road of videos (laughs) and and a half hour will be dead and gone and i will not have realized it
2: it's true well because now they have they have those videos that it'll go straight to the next relevant i don't know if it's relevant video i don't know how the algorithm works you guys i don't know how the internet Exactly. works, But you'll go to the next video and you're like, oh, that's kind of funny too. And in the same sort of vein, or you'll be like, oh, this one is similar to this one. And I, I get stuck in a YouTube cycle and then you end up watching videos after videos. So I understand that feeling of, you know, dropping off into the K-hole of Facebooks. Yeah. However... You know, the city council needs to be more responsible. They are just really crap at their jobs. And I know I've brought this up before, but, like, why is everybody so bad at their job? In life? <laughs> yes, actually. Like, or in Night Both. Both sometimes. I'll be someplace and I'm like, dude, your little only job is to get me from point A to point B. Why don't you know? Like, you have Google Maps just like I do. Look it up. That's specifically toward yeah. driving people. That has nothing to do with anybody else.
0: I'll go ahead and blame capitalism for why everyone's bad at their jobs. Um, And then why everyone's bad at their jobs in Night Vale is because it makes for better storytelling. Yeah, it is
2: funnier to have someone bad at their job than good at their job. Because nobody talks about, nobody's like, hey, you know, James, he's really good at shoe cobbling. No, you want to make fun of the guy who makes holes in his shoes.
0: Yeah, who just, uh, you go to the shoe cobble place and the whole place smells like feet and they can't find your boots.
1: I, I have a th- I have a larger theory about all this. By the way,
0: please share. This is what this show's about. How
1: I believe <clears throat> our generation, in our in you know Generation X, let's say, was the first generation.
0: I'm a millennial.
2: Hal.
1: Okay, <laughs> fine. You millennials have it so yeah, easy. I'm no. a, Z- a zennial, technically. Well, Generation X, I think, was it was the first generation where your job was could be whatever you want. Like, you were encouraged to pursue your passion. The generations before, your job was something you had to do. And whatever you wanted to do, you did in your spare time. Because you had to have a job. You had to work. That was like, that was what society had established. And I think they, Mm -hmm. maybe the baby boomers were the last generation where they were like, this is some bullshit. And I want, you know, enough of them were like, I want my children to pursue the things that make them happy. Right. That now now we've shifted, which doesn't mean people don't work hard. doesn't mean that there aren't people who are good at their jobs. But I think that idea of like when you have a job and it's not what you love, you're a lot more aware of the prison you're in. Totally. So you are less motivated subconsciously to do your very best work because you feel like you are somehow being wasted because you're not doing the thing that, that – you believe you're the best at, or that you have the most passion for.
2: Well, then, do you think the city council feels like they could be doing something else? Because they're always like going on vacation, or like for you know, not doing what, or, or like running away, or hiding in a cave, or something. They're not even like <coughs> trying to.
0: So, so we just think that the city council is just baby boomers that. Just would rather be uh, at you know mod- studying modern dance or yeah um, you know at their Potter's wheel or in their Beatles cover band or whatever
2: like really just like <laughs> living their truth yes like maybe just if they were living their truth they wouldn't be so bad.
1: I support that. I support that it's a bunch of like regular doughy middle aged to older people who are like, all right, let's just keep this going. And as long as we maintain control and so fear and discord then we can like Rita you remember you wanted to go to that farm in Vermont and check out what it's like to raise pigs let's go do that for a month Yeah we'll just go do it or like oh we oh like they have to be reminded to be the menacing controlling council that that the town knows them as no, then expect them to but be. But they don't have to work as hard. Like, they're good at it now. Yeah, they don't have to work as hard at it anymore. But I support that. I support that theory. I think as the show develops, we will be able to, through clues and confirmation bias, <laughs> prove that our theory is correct.
0: That the city council are just doughy boomers who, yes. yeah, who had to <laughs> become city council members and lawyers and shit.
1: Yes, would rather be on a cruise.
0: Yeah. They would rather be on the cruise. They, Yeah. Yeah. They'd yep. rather be on the internet talking about QAnon, you know. Like, <laughs> They're collectively. Sure, they'd
2: rather be. Well, I mean, that, you guys, I think this is, we're going to be, we're on to something with this. Um, and so after this whole section happens, then the sandstorm actually starts to hit. Right? We first get yes. uh, some confirmation from Larry. Leroy which damn it every time I want to say Larry Leroy.
0: It's always Larry. You can. That's what this show's about Symphony. Yeah. That you can say Larry Leroy because for you it's Larry Leroy and we're all in this community together and it's about sharing and there's no right and there's no wrong. There's Leroy and Leroy. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing that yeah of course absolutely (laughs) um i love that we always hear from larry leroy first because he is right out on the edge of town Mm -hmm. so the the shit storm always gets to him first i like that he's our like man on the street like he's the he's the jim cantori of the sandstorm he's (laughs) out there just like waiting for the waiting for it to show up
2: in this case a sandstorm of a shit storm is coming for him and there's He sees colors and shapes and familiar things like stoves and ponies. Ponies are nice, but they shouldn't be in a sandstorm. And then he sees, no, not you, and then hangs up the phone. So this is where, like, there's that allusion to something more sinister in the storm. Besides just, you know, a sandstorm itself can just be dangerous. But uh, now that there's something more sinister within the sandstorm.
0: Yes, exactly. And then we're, we're taken to Old Woman Josie's Facebook page, um, where <laughs> Dana is uh, translating uh, the symbols, the, the runestones, and this translation is, they come in twos, you come in twos, you and you kill your double. So, thanks, Old Woman Josie. What a heavy message. What a heavy message. Yeah. Take a break from sharing those memes, those memes about... Whatever. But yeah, but then then Whatever. what
1: happens? He still gets lost in a vi- in uh, a video of a cat jumping in and out of boxes, like we all do. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're so. no better than the city council. I know.
0: No. 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 I'm living my dream, and I still spend way too much time on Facebook. So. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: recently just uh, looked at you know some of my profile stuff, and it said that I've been on Facebook since 2007, right? So that's 11 years. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it had been that long. Um, But also I was like, oh, really? It's only been that long? Because it feels like it's been longer than that. But I remember that it used to be just like you had to be a college student at first, right? To get invited to it. Yes, it was
1: college only.
0: Yeah, I was one of the uh I was one of the proto users because it was uh they were just coming to universities and I yeah, I got on it in 2004 because Zuckerberg was like, yeah, just starting branching out and he wanted it to be in Massachusetts and UMass was one of the is one of the bigger colleges and so we had we had Facebook first before a lot of other people. And of course I got on it and it used to just be like uh, not anything like it is now. What was it like in the
2: first days?
0: when it was the first days there was not so many people on it and so like your parents weren't on it and like everyone you've ever known wasn't on it they're right. high school teachers so like you could kind of be a shithead like <laughs> I remember there <laughs> <laughs> Like, I remember we were, there were groups that we were in that were, like, horrible groups that I, like, recently found. And was like, holy shit, gotta delete that. I'll never get a job ever again. Uh, but, like, we put pictures, like, there, for a while you couldn't put pictures on. And then when you could put pictures on, I remember putting pictures on of us doing terrible things. Like, things that would get you arrested. Like, not stuff, that, like, oh yeah, not, like, well, a, a stuff, oh, yeah. illegal stuff. Consensual, um, illegal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink, like, wink. <laughs> But being like, what? because we're, we we're, we were 19 and we were like, yeah, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. This isn't forever. This is, you know, like... When you're 19 and like the internet is new
2: still? Like, really?
0: Yeah. Like we had all just abandoned our live journals, you know? We didn't think that live journals would ever, you know, come back to haunt us and they just went away into the internet ether. And now all of a sudden, like posts and groups that I started in 20, 2004 about like smoking weed every day um, were like... <laughs>
1: You know, I'm so grateful that I was young enough to be involved in social media. In like, I was like 25, 26 when I got on mm. Friendster. Yeah, Friendster. But old enough to not – like, I didn't have Twitter when I was 14. Right. Because I would be aghast at the things that 14-year-old me would have written. Like, it, I, of course. I think I was like the right age to get it where it will never hurt me in a job interview. Because I don't have anything – I don't think that I've posted where I would be like – nothing that would offend my mother. That's that's been my rule of thumb forever. My mother has a – well, had. She's dead now. She had a very high tolerance for what would offend her.
2: (laughs) Oh, by the way, I'm not laughing at Hal's – I'm not laughing at Hal's (laughs) mom being dead. Like your mom isn't dead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I think my mom so also sad. has a very. No, I was saying my mom also has a very high bar, and there's some stuff that I shouldn't say because it wouldn't offend her, but it would offend most everyone else. Yes, so. <laughs> look, I'm not saying
1: like uh, like my mother was cool with racism, but I mean right. like her ability to deal with off-color humor was pretty high. She didn't mind curses or anything like that.
0: She just wanted your jokes to be well-constructed. Yeah, as long as the jokes are funny, right, How? Hal?
1: Exactly. Like, yeah, as long as they're funny, that's all that matters.
0: They're not gonna, they can't be in bad taste and not land.
1: Oh my gosh, that's the worst.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's some disown you shit. Usually,
1: though, if they're in bad enough taste, they will not land. And it's not <laughs> the audience. I'll tell you, young comedians starting out, you might need to go back to, that, go back to the well, back to the drawing board. For real. I mean, if you're, if you're a young male comedian, I'm just going to come out right now and tell you, nobody's that interested in your penis. And what you've been doing with it, try something else. Please. Please.
2: Is that please. A, a common topic? W- oh, leaners?
1: I've been to many an open mic and seen many a guy get up his baseball cap on backwards. Oh, God. With a small notepad filled with stories about his crotch area. Gross.
2: You're like, nobody cares about your wiener. Do you heckle him like that?
1: No, I would never. Look, I give anybody who's willing to get up and do stand-up a ton of credit because it is terrifying and very difficult. At the same time, if I could help – and, no, you know, look, if you're listening to this and you're a comedian, then you're – like, it's not – look, nobody's – we're just talking here. Nobody else knows. (laughs) Just don't talk about – just try something other than your crotch. Just try. Try. It's hard, but it will be very rewarding. And don't take the hard thing and turn that into a crotch joke, please.
0: Yeah, or the has hard and very rewarding thing and turn that into a Yeah, joke?
1: don't make that about your crotch either.
0: That's actually not a bad, bad joke. I feel, yeah.
1: But now we've already yeah. done it, so they'd be copying us.
0: Yeah, it's true. Oh, steal as much as you want, but do it with your heart in the right place, you know?
2: <laughs> not in your crotch.
0: Not in your crotch, exactly. And you could talk about other people's crotches. I think that's where the humor lies, is that... Is that in the you know, crotch of others, other people's. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, I will say there a lot of, uh, a lot of female comedians talk about their vaginas and I find that hysterical. I mean, it's a little, it's a little overused and that's uh, that was a joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> wow. it, I, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's funny and that's because we are empowered by them now. And because for the most part, we don't use them to assault people. So. Right. Um, we try yes. I try not to. Yeah. It's it's way way less common.
2: <laughs> True. Um in other news, let's talk about the financial news of this episode,
0: <laughs> which is terrifying. It's so terrifying.
2: Like the trailer for a horror movie. Like yes. it's creepy and wonderful and I loved it.
0: But there's birds. There, I just wrote birds exclamation points all caps. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you afraid of birds? Me? I just hate them.
2: I'm not afraid of them.
1: Why do you hate them?
2: I'm not afraid of them. I will fuck up a bird. I'll beat up a bird. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Hey, swoop down on me. See what happens. (laughs) No, I don't know. I would be afraid. I think anything with like a beak and talons that's flapping at you is kind of freaky. So you're going to be a little bit wary at least. You know what I mean? And like, there's like all these like birds are like looking down on them and like their feathers are rotting and stuff like that's gross. And like they're picking at the boy's ears and stuff. And that was a gross out sound.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a very horrifying financial news.
1: Have I already told the story on this podcast of the house with a bird in its walls? What?
0: No, I don't think so. If not, tell it again.
2: Is this one of the ones you tell with, like, a um, flashlight under your chin? Yeah. All right, I'm going to put the flashlight
1: up. Okay, ready, go. It was a dark and stormy night, and there, my senior year of college in Syracuse, New York, and I lived in a house with four other roommates, and we found out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real, and also, there was a bird trapped in the fucking wall of my bedroom, and it wouldn't stop trying to escape. Oh, no. And we told the old man who was the owner of the house, and he didn't do anything about it. <laughs> and so I had to take it into my own hands using a hammer and nails. No. I tried. To, I tried. I tried I thought, all right, this, there's only one way this can end. This bird's not getting out. It is well <laughs> trapped within the walls. Well, Imagine, not with
0: that attitude, Hal.
1: <laughs> I didn't have the can-do attitude that could free a bird from a house. <laughs> but like I imagine you're laying there, your room is not insulated, it's two degrees outside, so you're under nine hundred blankets, fully dressed, and then you hear this imagine that, but nine times louder Ugh. talons scratching at the inside of the wall, like it cannot get free, and it's like you know the bird is like this is this this is the bird's version of one hundred and twenty seven hours like it's trapped it's like Yeah, it's like I'm going to fucking die in here. Yeah, it's like, all right, it's been three hours. Um, Maybe one more – maybe this time if I flap and scratch as hard as I can, I'll get out. I know it hasn't worked the last 900 times, but this time (laughs) it's been three hours. It's definitely going to work. Did not work. And I put the nails in and I thought, all right, maybe I got it. I feel like I still heard a scuffle once in a while, but then it stopped. And I like to think – At the time I thought I was being humane. By killing it in the wall. Symphony, you're ready to fight a bird. If imagine you what what is my other choice? I open the wall and the bird is freed? No. Exactly. I'm not suggesting you did anything other than you should have done. I'm just imagining all the nail holes in your wall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were nails in it. It just looked like I it looked like I unsuccessfully hung a series of pictures.
2: Yeah, but that's like, how many nails? I'm imagining, like, 75 nails, like, in your
1: wall, like, at random points. <laughs> <laughs> how many were, nails did it take? The, enough to make the outline of a bird. No.
0: <laughs> was there ever a smell from the decaying oh, yeah. uh, bird corpse?
1: No. So I like to think that when I hammered those nails in, the bird was like, oh, shit, this is getting real, and then escaped. So that was its impetus to escape? Maybe. Let's say it was.
0: I'd really like to be the kid who had your room the next year and is just like, oh shit. And like he goes to like hang his, you know, fucking Pink Floyd poster uh, <laughs> knocks down the plaster on the wall and there's just a fucking dead bird full of nails.
1: Let's see here. I've got my I've got my black light Doctor Who poster. I've got my poster of John Belushi in a college sweater from Animal House. I yes. guess I'll just take a hammer to the wall. It's oh god! How long <laughs> has it been there? This dead bird. Oh, I wish I <laughs> could have been there too. Did your roommates think that you were you were getting some? No, my roommates <laughs> knew I was getting none. Exactly <laughs> none.
0: The flapping, the flapping sound, and the nails. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, someone's getting lucky. Why did he put a sock on the door? <laughs> I think Hal's fucking a
0: falcon. Do you hear that? I just imagine you screaming the whole time, too.
1: Yes. (laughs) God, yes. God, yes. Please, yes. Oh, I'm so close.
0: To killing a bird. To killing this bird. (laughs) I have uh, many stories about birds in my walls, but with another time and another place. Uh.
1: If not now, when? Fine, we can save it if you want.
0: We'll save it. I have so many animals in my house. I live in the woods, guys. I also have several taxidermied birds in my home. So there's that.
1: Yeah, there's a pig's head behind you, right?
0: I have. Oh, that's a that's a that's a um, cow's head, but that's a that's just made out of wood. I it's well, unreal. I knew
1: it was not actual.
0: Well, you just got a new boar's head. I just got a new boar's head. A pretty extensive taxidermy collection at this point in the game, um, and that's just the intentional taxidermy that happens in our house. So. <laughs> There's some unintentional taxidermy when it was when John was here, when John Bernstein was here. Yeah. Um, and Joseph was giving him a tour and, <coughs> and gave him a tour of the basement. And John is like, is that just a dead bird on the floor over there? I was like, oh, my God, it is. <coughs> it was just in like the like salty, weird, dusty corner of her basement. There's just a dead bird.
1: And you pay for the taxidermy. It's just – show. dead animals are just showing up at your house. It's true. Maybe they hear – maybe they realize it's a sanctuary for dead animals. Like, I've heard that if you go to Joseph and Meg's house, you will live forever as taxidermy. That's where I'm going to go when (laughs) I die.
0: Yep, they come here to die. I'm an otter. (laughs) That'd be awesome if we had a dead otter just like in my living room. Just like showed up and was like, I'm very sick. And I was like, okay, cool. And then you took care
2: of it until it passed away.
1: <laughs> yeah. Soon I'll be gone and then you can stuff me to make me look like I'm attacking.
0: Oh, bless us. Bless us, everyone. Uh-huh. All right. Um, so Dana is dead. Uh, or Dana's double is dead. What a new fun way to kill an intern.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and we don't know who which one it was. But we never mourn her because there, a Dana comes back and is like, it's fine. They're just like, oh, yeah, no, Dana's alive, but we don't know if which one it is, the original one that was the original Night vale one or the one that was in fighting the other Dana. And now that we know, you know, Jessica and Nicole, do you think she could kill her own double?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, of
1: course.
2: Agreed. I'm glad we're all of one accord on that.
0: She could kill her own double. She would knit it a burial shroud. She would hand build the coffin. Yeah. She would dig an artisanal hole <laughs> and bury her double. She could also build their coffin or whatever. Yeah. She's very handy, that uh, Jessica Nicole. She is. She is uh, very handy. But yeah, this is this episode. We get the, the the double killing thing, which lives as a an Easter egg that hatches a hundred. 10 episodes later when we get to, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's some more stuff that happens with Dana and her double and some choices that get made in the future. So this is uh, where the groundwork was laid for some current stories percolating uh, in recent Night Vale episodes. And we'll talk about that in 133 weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll see you guys in 133 weeks to talk about that. Stay tuned.
1: Can we talk about, who really knows what's going on in town, by the way.
0: Oh, who is that?
1: Steve Carlsberg.
0: Steve Carlsberg. Steve Carlsberg.
1: Knows what's up. And Cecil tries to play it off. I was waiting for this. Yeah. Because he's a hater at this point. <laughs> but I love that. I, you know, I can't – everything about Steve, whenever he appears, I'm like, he's 100% right. I don't know why everybody would doubt it. I, so it's it's almost hard to listen to it with virgin ears. And be like, yeah, I'm supposed to dislike Steve and want a moron, and he's just saying something everybody knows anyway, or uh, or the truth of uh, – Cecil would say that no matter what Steve said to undermine him.
0: Yeah. I mean, you listen to it with Virgin Years or not, I think we were allowed to draw our own conclusions about Steve and hold them in our heart.
1: But I think for a very long time, people did not.
0: Well, people were very much on Cecil's side, and it wasn't until Cecil kind of warmed to Steve that the rest of the audience did. This is true. Well, and, you know,
2: when you you come from a one-sided sort of thing, like, we've only heard Cecil's version of it, and we haven't been able to hear, like, what Steve is saying. It's just like, you know, when somebody says to you, oh, well, so-and-so is a bad person, like, they said this or that, and you're like, did they really say that, or are you just, like, taking out of context what they said, or did you not listen to the whole thing or are you biased against them for some reason? And the answer is all of the above for Cecil. Yeah. Yes. Um, you did skip. Okay. We got to the Steve part, but I want to go back just a little bit. Can we talk about, um, the home Depot ad? (laughs) Yes. The whole Um. incomplete thing, like the repeat, because that does come back again in 19 B uh, that uh, same sort of structure to the writing, asking all the questions and then the incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. And then it turns out at the end that it's Home Depot. Now, they've done this in a few other ads and um, other sections, mainly traffic, I feel like, um, where it'll be things where it's you're questioning yourself, you're questioning your reality, you're questioning how you feel, all these things, these things that you're thinking about. And I just I, I just wanted to take a second to uh look back at that because I love sections like that. And then we can get back to you,
0: Steve. Yeah, the high concept prose section. Yes. Yeah, this is yeah, this is a, a good use of the Does your ever does your life ever do this? Do you ever have problems with this? Well, if so, this. But this one just keeps asking questions. It doesn't ever right. get to does never answer them and is never like, Well, here's our solution. Yes. And the solution is home depot and usually
2: the the like this type of ad the button is a pill don't you think like when they're like do you ever feel like this do you ever whatever 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 it'll be like take abilify and you'll have anal leakage that's not that's not a side effect of <gasps> yeah, abilify maybe. i don't think i don't know
0: it could be could i don't be. know we could we could write to, let's write to them let's ask our doctor yeah Let's ask our doctor about Abilify. Not that we are prescribed it and want to take it. but We should be asking our doctor. It told us to.
2: I just, anytime those commercials come on, I always listen to the side effects. And then I'm like, yo, the side effects are worse than the actual thing. It's like, do you have allergies? Do you sneeze sometimes when you're around stuff? Take this pill and you'll have crippling pain and diarrhea and explosive farts and leeches in your stomach and allergies yeah,
0: and, and you'll occasionally still sneeze
2: yeah right it's like it doesn't uh, even really yeah, that's help always you. my
0: favorite when the side effect is the thing it's supposed to cure you're like nah dude chill it's fine <laughs> it's like side effect could be death my favorite one was the one for the like eyelash lengthener that was like side effect blindness so i have <laughs> these beautiful long eyelashes that i can't see because now i'm <coughs> fucking blind it's for everyone else to see gee damn it Anyway, so yeah, the Home Depot. Need to nail a bird into a wall? Go to the Home Depot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we can all get behind. What a twenty-year-old boy answer to a problem. Sorry, back to that. Like, what a like. That's fair. What a like. uh, This is this is the life I have. I'm twenty years old. I have. You know, when you have a hammer, a lot of things start to look like a nail. That's true. (laughs) Sorry, back to this. Moving on. Uh, so, yeah, so Dane is dead. Steve Carlsberg writes in. Uh, and then we uh, we get a, uh, a break in. Cecil, Cecil, there's all of a sudden there's a black indigo vortex in the studio wall. Yeah. And Cecil goes for it. I mean, what would you do? I mean, I'd totally go for it.
2: Right? If a vortex appeared in your office right now, like... First of all, I would try and stick something through it and then pull it back just to make sure that it didn't get, like, eaten up on the other side, you know? But I would totally go for it.
0: Always be moving west, you know?
1: Yes, ever it's westward.
0: Ever westward. Westward ho. Westward ho. Be a westward ho and go into the vortex. Um, so, yeah, and then we get Kevin. This kid just breaks through, this, this voice. Yes. This Kevin R. Free.
1: Polar opposite. And it's so different and beautiful. I forgot I forgot how this went.
0: Yeah, Kevin Kevin shows up and it's it, it's jarring.
2: It's such a short quick thing that happens in this episode like towards the end um right before the weather happens and the fact that Kevin is like, "Well, I'm here." And he seems so unassuming though. Like, I don't necessarily I never got evil from him right away until the next episode. I got, I I was, like, very curious. I remember the first time I listened to it, I was very curious. And then, again, when I listened to it, I was like, well, he sounds so pleasant, right? Um, And he was, like, just, he sounds just like he was observing what had happened to him and what he was going through. And then he, uh, and, you know, he said he's sitting right there at that odd bloodless desk. And then he gives us the weather. How did he know to do
1: that? Was there a note, do you think? Do you think there's notes on the desk? I think that's his instinct. And that's and that's also what you know, they both both shows go to the weather. Oh right. You're right. We'll find that later on as well. So it's just what you do. You go to the weather.
2: That's pretty crazy. Is that our time to
1: do it then too? Up next, we're going to hear from fans and friends of the podcast about their theories, comments, and questions. Maybe even you. Who knows? But first, let's have a conversation about this episode's weather, which was Elizer. Is it Elizers? I, I can't
0: even... I've pronounced it Eliezer.
1: <clears throat> Eliezer's Waltz by Larry Cardozo and Ron Fink, performed by the Ventura Klezmer Band. Meg, tell us about this song.
0: All right, so this is Eliezer's Waltz. This is um, uh, a song that was written by Larry Cardozo and Ron Fink. Ron Fink is uh, Joseph Fink's dad. Yeah. So uh, this was a piece that he uh, had wrote and performed with the Ventura Klezmer Band. And the Ventura Klezmer Band was, uh, Joseph's dad was in it as a songwriter and an accordion player and... Uh, All Around Music Man, his mom was also in the band. I believe she played the bass clarinet. She's a listener to the show, so she will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she played the bass clarinet and maybe did some... some some singing possibly. I know that she sings now, so maybe she was singing then. Um, and they were a klezmer band and they would play local events where klezmer bands were needed. They would do weddings and bar and bat mitzvahs and, and, and things like that. And they they were fun. Uh, I, I don't know if they're still in existence. Uh, I hope that they are. If not, like they had a great run. And uh, this song is really, really beautiful and fun and a waltz. It's always nice to, to get a waltz in there. Shout out, Kathy Fink. Yeah. Shout out to Kathy Fink.
1: Yeah, Woo! it's awesome. I think it's really cool, and I love how personal it is. Agreed. That just uh, means the world, and really cool to be able to. It's just a cool thing to be able to do, and I I love it. Yeah, and I love that we get to talk about it. You know, not only does it live on because it's on the podcast, but now we're talking about it on another podcast about that podcast. Yep. So that just makes me smile very big.
0: Yeah, and I love Klezmer music. I didn't know I loved Klezmer music until I met Joseph Fink. I didn't know what Klezmer music was. Until I didn't I met know that Joseph either. Fink. I don't and know what,
2: I actually still don't, I didn't know that that was a genre of music. It is. See, this is the, these are things I don't know. Uh, like there's very um, regional music, right. And like very specific types of music that um, you might not know about if you aren't exposed to it. So this is another benefit of listening to the weather is that you get to expand your horizons and what you would normally be exposed to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Klezmer music is, um, a Jewish, uh, the Jewish tr- musical tradition. Yes. I believe it's the Ashkenazi Jews are the ones who do this. And, um, so there's, yeah, some influences there from the Ashkenazi Jewish people. And I think that there some, some Klezmer bands are more traditional, whereas other ones have kind of, uh, been had more influenced by rock and pop and jazz. Like the Klezmatics. They're like probably the most famous Klezmer band. Um, and they have uh, some, some uh, rock and jazz and pop influences. They're a lot of fun, too. I'd recommend them. I think they, they turned us down for uh, weather once. Oh. Oh. Yes, Joseph asked them, and I think they turned us down. So
1: Heartbreak. Who's
2: laughing Heartbreak now? Right? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I mean, maybe, all, we all get to laugh. Maybe all of us. Yeah. Because it's funny. This is another wonderful addition to the storied history of our weather samplings.
0: Agreed.
1: Uh, shall we enter the fan zone?
0: Let's go into the fan zone. The fan zone. Fan or zone. Fan zone.
1: zone. Howl. 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 Stay right there.
2: Good Morning Nightfell vale. we will return after a brief break.
1: you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep, let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels.com slash good morning.
0: That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code goodmorning at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum-free, so you're not going to be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're going to have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally-derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit deodorant.com. use promo code goodmorning, and don't smell like George Washington. What is in the calzone Zone today?
1: Dennis writes, Out of all the bad guys, misunderstood or not, Kevin is the one that creeps me out the most. He's such a creepy little psychopath, much like the mayor on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now each time I hear Kevin R. Free's voice on the podcast, I know I'm in for a really creepy show. Uh yeah, he's great. It's that is the magic of Kevin R. Free. He is uh, not a psychopath, but he is a no. super talented actor, and uh, you get to hear a special chat with him next week. We'll delve a little bit more into that world, but I agree with you. He play he he knows how to play it for maximum creepiness the, to to get the full effect out of it, and that is part of his skill and charm.
0: Yes, while never wavering on the like corporate saccharine brightness of the character Mm -hmm. like it never wavers but it is yeah becomes terrifying Um, and yeah his portrayal of that is is masterful
2: i think some of the most terrifying bits or the creepiest part uh is how saccharine uh he does sound when someone sounds it maybe not it's maybe he's not a psychopath maybe he's more of a sociopath because that's scarier isn't it Someone who just like doesn't yeah. care about the consequences or how you feel or what's going to happen to you—that's the scarier, yeah. crazy person. And let's not. And I—I I, I don't mean to say crazy in a neurodivergent way. I mean it to mean like gonna murder you. We don't want that type of way.
0: <laughs> yes, in an un- unpredictable, dangerous sort of way.
2: Correct, um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, It always reminds me, have you ever seen the movie The Addams Family Values? Yes. Yes. Maybe just, yeah. So they have the, they go to the summer camp. They go to Pugsley and Wednesday go to a summer camp. And the summer camp is very desert bluffs. It's very saccharine and yuppie. And, but it is terrifying. And I think it's just, it's terrifying that it's, it's intentionally being terrifying. But it is also terrifying because Pugsley and Wednesday are made so uncomfortable by it. Yeah. Um that they like they're they're scared of it even though like it's something that that's not traditionally scary but because the way they are reacting to it. Yes. We, are, we we feel that. Yes. But also
2: I like their their general discomfort with someone being so happy all the time. Like I consider myself a pretty positive person, but you know, there's something very strange and off-putting about someone who's just so happy all the time, and they're just smiling, and everything is just roses. It's freaky, bro, because the, the world isn't all puppy dogs and rainbows. It's freaky, bro. Gotta be real.
0: When people, I understand that there's uh, certain people who uh, sarcasm doesn't make sense to them or it's not not part of the language that they speak. But people who don't speak in sarcasm are always a little bit jarring to me. I never know how to like quite talk to them because I'll like say something and they'll be like, Really? And I'll be like, No. Yeah. I'm like, No, I was being sarcastic.
2: <laughs> the ones that you have to be like, No, that was a joke. <laughs>
0: Yeah, these bright and bubbly people would never think to like to throw sarcasm in there. Everything is very earnest and I- intentional um, yeah. in that way. Yeah, but yeah, Adams Family values when they misbehave, they get thrown in the Harmony Hut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Desert Bluffs is the Harmony Hut. Okay, cool. So this is Leanne. Leanne wrote to us. Leanne wrote to us an email with 80 of their headcanons. Wow. Um, and so we'll be hearing f- from Leanne several times throughout the fanzine because there are <laughs> 80 of them on every topic in Nightvale. Yeah. Uh, but this is a few of them. This is uh, two of them from Leanne. Or actually more than that. Uh, Kevin wears the. This is head cannon from Leanne. Uh, Kevin wears the opposite clothing of Cecil. He only wears professional business clothes, usually navy blue suits and orange ties. Love it. Kevin's last name is Remlap, which is Palmer backwards. And this this is my favorite one. The city of Desert Bluffs is a metaphor for Mormonism.
1: Wow. A lot to pack there. A lot ton pack.
0: Yeah, there's like a, the the stuff with, like the name backwards and the opposite of Cecil. That's kind of like leading towards the uh, Cecil and Kevin are each other's double type of thing, which is right. a theory, but it's not never really confirmed Right it's that is like yeah. they are each other's double. Um, so, uh, so yes, but maybe not. I, I'm of the opinion that they're not each other's double. I don't know um, I, that there's something else afoot.
2: I originally thought that they were because of the whole thing where he said "It's not a, a man that was not tall and not short, not fat, or thin. He has eyes like mine and a nose like mine and a hair like mine, but I don't think he is me. So, like, that's where it can be a little confusing because it's like he's not me, but, like, is he, though?
1: He's a doppelganger, sort yeah. of.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's similar, but, like, not the same. I don't know. Yeah, his clothing though. I feel I don't know. Like I think maybe I'm so influenced by all the cosplay that I've seen. Like I only see Kevin in yellow in my brain, yeah, in my in my head yeah
0: with a bloody smile. I love uh, when, when Mel Blub first started touring with us and they would meet Kevin's in the signing line. Yeah, And Mel's a fan of the show, but not like a, not like a deep fan that understood all the cosplay and was like, what's with the person covered in blood? And we were like, Oh, you saw Kevin now. <laughs> You've seen <a> Kevin.
2: <laughs> and they're like,
0: what? They're like, why are there, why are there so many children covered in blood? Yeah. And and we're like, they're Kevin. Every Kevin I've <laughs> met has been so
1: sweet too. And it's very bizarre to see like the clear white contacts, bloody face and be like, Hi, I'm a big fan. I just want to thank you. I really appreciate the show. It's very, uh, uh, it's creepy and heartwarming at the same time because I love how much I yeah. love it. But it is, it is terrifying. It is a terrifying yeah. costume to put on, especially so when well they done. have
2: like the weird eye, like the contacts. Like some of them will have yes. like crazy contacts on, and I sometimes I have to tell them I'm like, it's very hard for me to look at you right now. Um, you did a really good job, but. I um, am a little scared, so I'm not going to really look at you, um, and it's no offense to you other than, like, I'm just – maybe it's a compliment, right?
1: If they scared you so much that you can't look at them. Absolutely. It's the highest compliment you can give a Kevin.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we have Stephanie, and she in the Zone, and she writes – What always stands out to me is the little bit of Cecil in 19B, oops, after he comes through the vortex. By this point in the podcast, we know how weird and how death-packed Night Vale can be. None of that rattles Cecil, except station management, of course. However, when he is in Desert Bluff's booth, it is the first time I can recall ever hearing Cecil truly scared on the podcast. Not even station management had the same utter disgust and fear in his voice. I could totally see that like uh I think but like when you're thrust into a whole other world that is similar but so like bizarro to your own. I think you'd have nothing to feel but fear. Um also when you've seen people like fighting with people that are uh same-sies, you know what do you guys think? I think it's all the blood.
1: I think a yeah. lot of blood would freak people out. Yeah, blood is scary, especially when it's everywhere. Because you're like, whose is that? Why is it there? Will mine be there? Is it is fresh? that my blood?
2: Your blood? Whose blood is that?
1: Whose blood? Am I bleeding now? I feel like I'm bleeding. <laughs> like when you see a spider far away or like a bird far away, you're like, it's in my hair. It's that same thing. That's how I feel constantly.
0: Yeah, there's like a lot of potential, scary potential energy with blood. Because it's, like it's the poten- like it's some blood, you know, it's, it's okay. A lot of blood, you know that, like, when there's a lot of blood, it means that someone's dead. Like, some blood, okay, they could live. A lot of blood, you know? So there is this, yeah, the, the volume. Uh, When there's a lot of blood and a lot of volume, it usually means a lot of death and destruction and yeah. violence.
1: True. I have something here from Kalen. Kalen writes, long story short – this is a very long paragraph <laughs> – so I don't yes. know that I don't really know. This is. Is, long this story this long mission may not be accomplished on this one. My theory about Desert Bluffs is that it's just another version of Night Vale. One of the Night Vales that got displaced in time and space by Hunt-A-Car, and the major differences being the name of it, the Smiling God, and all the super happy, super creepy people that live there. Throughout the series, the various collisions of different versions of Night Vale swap people back and forth. And I think it goes all the way back to episode nineteen. As two versions of Nightvale clash with each other. Kevin and Cecil are described so similarly, and the names of a lot of other side characters are so similar in both worlds the mayor of Desert Bluffs being Dan Cardozo, and the mayor of Nightvale being Dana Cartnell. Spoiler the Matter of Blood episodes also pretty much confirms it, as the other Danas are upset about Dana killing her double back in episode 19. Maybe we should redact that. How would it be her double if her double hadn't come from another version of Nightvale? I foresee only things getting worse with space time rifts in Nightvale as the Desert Bluffs folks continue to live together. And we'll just keep seeing things like a story of love and horror happening. Or maybe not. The Nightvale under Lane 5 seems to be doing okay, all things considered. Wow. Uh. Well, I'll tell you what, Kalen, you've given us a lot to think about. A lot, a <laughs> lot.
0: Right? I'm going to be honest with y'all. Sometimes th- this project that we're doing breaks my time's <laughs> mind. Uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot yeah. of characters. There's different worlds. There's other worlds. There's gods. There's seasons. There's there's a lot that we are <laughs> taking, taking upon ourselves to be speaking from a uh, position of expertise on. And uh, it's only going to start to get... And more difficult going forward as we get more and more episodes under our belt uh, as we try to keep track of all this stuff
2: i feel like we need to make some sort of charts or graphs like you know how in the song of ice and fire books like or um the uh, jr R. Tolkien, tolkien books like there are like maps and like Basically, like, thesauruses and, like, names of people who are all related to each other. Like, the family trees, basically, of stuff. I feel like we need something like that for us. So that we can be like, oh, right.
0: There's the Nightvale Wikipedia wiki, which is very helpful. Yeah. Um, that does a good amount of work in tracking some of this stuff. But, yeah, but it really is, it, it's voluminous yeah. uh, at this point. And so, yeah, so what Kay, what Kaylin is saying where with Hantokar uh, displacing many night veils uh, and, and that Desert Bluffs becomes one of them. We can't speak on that yet. There's uh, the doubles, yeah, we can't speak on that yet. Uh, but, yeah, there is this... As we get to episodes 19A and 19B, this is when my uh, my tiny mind begins to break with uh, keeping track of all the – we're, we're tw- not even 20 episodes in, and I'm already uh, mentally overwhelmed. So
1: Listen, I, f- I faded into dust at episode 11, so you you lasted longer <laughs> than I did.
0: <laughs> like the guy who got the
2: the Indiana Jones the cup. What was that? Oh, my God. He The tried Holy to drink Grail? out of The, the Holy Grail. <laughs> the
1: Carpenter's Cup, yeah, and then cup, he, turned, then he, age, he and aged then really he, fast.
2: He aged really fast and turned into dust. That's you, Hal.
1: Well, yeah, he, he drank out of the fake one. He had, They had, Indiana, right. Indy had to find the, the Carpenter's Cup, the Simple Cup.
2: Right. The guy thought it was the gold. But anyways, yeah, I understand. I just, again, I just try and go with the flow, you know? And like, it'll all make sense one day, or it won't. <laughs> and we'll try and like, make sense of it as it goes along. But you know what, guys? We're doing our best out here, just like you are. Keep sending us your theories. We like it.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Good Morning Night Vale Next week, you guessed it, we're going to be talking about The Sandstorm Part B. And we will be joined by Kevin R. Free, y'all. Kevin R. Free is going to come chat Woo! with us. So stay tuned next week for, for more stuff. And as always, good morning, Night Vale Good morning. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stort. It is mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929 277 2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightbale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to tell us how you killed your double. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightbale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightbale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is doubly. This adverb will work doubly as hard as the others.
1: Uh, Hey, everybody. This is Drew. I make a Sleep With Me podcast. It's a bedtime story podcast here at Night Vale Presents. And I just want to tell you about the show. It's a podcast to help you fall asleep, uh, just like somebody... Having a friend over to tell you a a lulling, soothing, strange, meandering bedtime story. But I also wanted you to know the reason I make this show is because I know how it feels uh, not to be able to sleep. And it's really important to me uh, to to try to bring some uh, levity and comfort uh, to the deep, dark night. So if you know how it feels uh, when you can't fall asleep, if you're tossing and turning... And you're looking for something to take your mind off of that. uh, Just open up your podcast app and search for Sleep With Me uh, and give it a listen. Thanks.